Cubicle Night Noodlings, recorded on the 9th of March, 2021. This is my corner of the internet where I talk about the fun things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. This is the 24th appetizer-sized podcast. This time, I'm super excited about the happenings in the open source side of the Linux and open source world. Since I do claim to have an almost unhealthy obsession with the project, here's where it'll demonstrate itself in full view. Coming up, a little open source of fun. MGBA, Game Boy emulation on Linux. A Raspberry Pi-powered LCD chalkboard smart sign. Webcamoid, the best webcam app for desktop Linux. Wildwood, a Commodore 64 game. Cups PDF, print to PDF from any application. My OpenSUSE corner. And a computer history retrospective on programming from 1984. sure you can tell by the audio that I'm not in my normal recording spot for this episode, but I didn't want to wait until I returned to record it because, well, time. So forgive the audio quality, as this is my portable setup, and I'm not exactly happy with the sound, but at least it isn't a laptop microphone. Spring is a short time away, and the world around me is turning from the gray, white, and brown tones to the new life of various spring flowers, and most importantly, the color green. Green, coincidentally, is also the OpenSUSE color, and I'm excited about the OpenSUSE things happening. For starters, there's been much work done on the website, not only reducing the technical liabilities, but also improving the visual presentation and ease of getting to the things for which you are searching. Also, not to tease too much, but there is another OpenSUSE Leap beta on the horizon. As a rule, the OpenSUSE logo makes me happy. Just seeing it, I did in fact add some stickers to my Elite book, so there's a little bit of personalized open SUSE happiness that I, I put on it, and then I added it to my Dell Latitude E6440 as well, so I can see the, the open SUSE button logo. But another bit of open SUSE smiles that I got was someone in the community made the open SUSE Gigo logo for the animation for the Blender uh, startup, and it it's on YouTube. I have a link to it, but what's fun about it is there's this butterfly that flies by and very recognizable colors and she looks a little bit like a windows logo and the geeko sees it spits its tongue out there and eats it and i just thought it was cute and funny you know it's playful so i enjoyed that if you want to check that out i have links to that in my noodling notes after i did this review on visual boy advance i think visual boy advance m actually i got quite a few comments about game boy emulation and other things i should try out so i did i i tried out mgba it's the Game Boy emulator available in the OpenSUSE repositories. That was kind of middle of the road in one of the many suggestions in this Game Boy emulator shootout matrix. I chose it because it was widely available. I've seen it many times, like name dropped or talked about, and I thought I would give that a try as well. The installation, very easy to do with the RPM in OpenSUSE on the software at OpenSUSE.org. There's a package. You just have to add the emulator's repository, considered experimental. You can also install it via FlatHub or as a snap package. So that'll work on all the other distributions. For starters, one of the things I do like about MGBA is some of the menus I think are a little bit simpler and do make sense. The, The settings, the keyboard layout gives a nice visual as to what keys do what when you're setting it up. I did notice that while playing some of the games, it does appear to be a little bit smoother than Visual Boy Advance. I don't know if that's an artifact of it being a snap, I'm not sure the reasons why. I didn't really dig into the technical 
underpinnings as to what's different. What I did like was any of the saved games that I used on Visual Boy Advance still work on MGBA, so it's nice to see that there are a lot of core components that are the same between them. Some interesting features I do want to point out is the force integer scaling, which forces uh, like exact pixel reproduction of the Game Boy. I don't think that's a huge deal because the Game Boy was 160 by 144 pixels, so that's pretty tiny. You're not going to notice it as you scale it up if some pixels are slightly larger than one another on a 1080p screen that has a 14-inch diameter measurement. The bilinear filtering looks nice. It kind of smooths some things out. Kind of makes it feel a little fuzzy. I, I don't know if I like it. I mean, it does smooth it out, but I almost prefer the crispness of the pixel edges. Maybe that's crazy. One of the other features I thought was interesting is you can actually look at the sprites, the sprite tiles, and see how the different characters or different well, the different sprites were made up. I didn't mess with any of the audio or video settings. I used the audio driver SDL and the display driver of OpenGL. I didn't have any issues as far as skipping or lagging or anything of that nature, so I, I just left it as it was. This is a very well-built, designed, and highly functional Game Boy emulator. There are more features there than what I really need, but it does give me some more things to dig into and perhaps tweak with different games that I do play. The gameplay is great. I like that I can keep the game in a windowed mode or go full screen so I don't have to pay attention to more important things. And especially I like that the saved games I used in Visual Boy Advanced do transfer over to MGBA. So that is good news if you're jumping from emulator to emulator. I'm going to try them out and continue games from one to another. It works out very well. I am impressed by the continued advancements in the emulation of these nostalgic gaming systems for my youth. I really hope they'll continue to be developed, improved, and refined as time marches forward. The preservation of video game history is just as important as any other cultural preservation of our past. It's an art, a historical technical achievement, and there's some charm to be had by exploring the vastness of games with such limited computational resources available at the time. There's something to be said for the creative ingenuity that game designers had to make the games visually appealing and enjoyable to play. My hat's off in respect and gratitude for not only the original programmers and engineers, but those that are working to preserve the bits of our cultural heritage in digital form. Whenever technology and art meet in a very useful product, I can't help but get excited and think about the applications over a thing like that can be used. Instructables, yet again, provides another incredible idea for something that can be built as a life enhancement. This LCD chalkboard smart sign is an incredible little thing. It's not only modern, but cute and artsy at the same time. And I think it's an interesting project because the notion of combining a chalkboard and a Raspberry Pi Zero into a single unit can be valuable at so many levels. In this case, it's used to present a positive message along with some weather information, which can be useful in an office, church, or perhaps a message center at your house. You know, very often the kitchen refrigerator becomes a message center with notes stuck to it. And maybe something like this would be more appropriate and possibly even more efficient. I have also thought about something like this to build into my home education center for my kids. You know, special notes of the day or maybe their schedule, maybe just their memory work. There are many possibilities with this concept that make me think that there's much more I could do with this base idea. Especially using a Raspberry Pi W. The whole thing could run off of a lithium polymer pack that could potentially be large enough to power the screen as well as maybe... I just need to charge periodically or even use like a like Walt battery to power the whole thing. There are so many bunny trails I went down. I, I probably, for some applications, I would use a, a whiteboard instead because markers make less mess than chalk. But I just thought this is an interesting project, something to check out. It's on Instructables. I did a little article on makerscorner.tech, so there's a link to that in my new links. This is a bit of old news, but I did a, an article on Front Page Linux about the best webcam application for desktop Linux called Webcamoid. Now you might think, well, why is it the best? Well, if you just check it out, you'd understand. One of the things that I noticed that you know all the kids like about these days about their smartphones is 
is the, the webcam or whatever you want to call it, the, the front-facing camera on that and doing filters and taking selfies and whatnot. Well, here, for OpenSUSE, you can install WebCamoid with a simple command. And what's neat about the features is that it not only can you do video and, and photographs, but you can also configure many other sources. So you can use, instead of your webcam, you can use an input source or you can use any of your screens as, a, as an input source. Then you can apply filters on top of that. So if you want to look like the Matrix or like you are some sort of ASCII art or pixelize the, the input, I, I just, there's a lot of little fun things. I think one that made me smile is the broken TV. Not practical at all, but how fun would it be to use that effect and pipe that through something like a Zoom meeting, whatever, would look like your TV was broken and the and the V-Sync wasn't there and, you're, and it's rolling? I just think that'd be very funny. Also, uh, if you are a fan of, uh, I think it's DC Comics, Firestorm. So from the show The Flash, uh, the that character had its eyes on fire, whatever, at certain points in time or, or just flames around it. You can do that effect as well, too. That also might be fun in a Zoom meeting. I don't know. Could get you into trouble, too. But bottom line, it's a really nice application. It's written in Qt, so it works well with the Plasma desktop. I know it's available for multiple distributions, but it is certainly available for OpenSUSE. So if you're interested, check out my noodling notes and check it out for yourself. I'm always on the lookout for new Commodore 64 games. Yes, that is true. I look for new games for a 40-ish year old computer. And one that's in the works right now called Wildwood has some amazing pixel art. The premise of this game is you are a rabbit and you're on a journey in search of your ancestral home in the ancient Wildwood. It's a fast-paced game, side-scrolling platformer, and it promises to be a fun game. It has incredible Commodore 64 graphics. These are graphics for an older computer, but just looking at the pictures, it really is quite amazing. They really look great. And I look forward to seeing this game be published so I can enjoy it on my C64 Maxi or the actual hardware, whichever. But it really looks to be a fun game. And I'm excited to see there's still development on the Commodore 64. There's still new games out there to be had. And I look forward to purchasing this. I'm sure this isn't new to anyone. It's certainly not new to me, but using another operating system for a bit, I was really annoyed about a thing. I just wanted to highlight how wonderful the CUPS PDF, print to PDF from any application is on OpenSUSE Linux or any Linux distribution, really. Simple to install, at least in OpenSUSE. It's called CUPS-PDF, and it, it takes up a whopping 221.9 kilobytes of drive space. So it's really pretty insignificant as far as storage is concerned. And now the question might be, well, why? Why do I care? CUPS PDF is a kind of pseudo virtual printer. That's great to have. I can hit Control-P with a rapid strike of Enter key. I can print something that immediately sends a PDF to a directory, and then I can file it or store it or edit it or whatever I need to do for use later. Also, there are some online training sites that don't let you export a certificate directly to a PDF. And just to be sure that I have a copy of the certificate, it's nice to be able to export it as a PDF as opposed to doing a screenshot or whatnot. Now, this doesn't happen often, but it does happen and has happened recently to me. And also, you know, I'm kind of an old man, largely stuck in my ways. And so there's certain old applications I enjoy using and at the same time need to print some things off from it. So this gives me that option. It's system-wide, so anything that has access to the printers has access to this virtual printer. So this isn't any great new feature in Linux, but it's one that's been there and working for me day after day for nearly 20 years in some form. It's such a simple thing that uses very few resources and adds some valuable functionality. The great thing is, it's just a built-in feature to OpenSUSE and other Linux distributions that don't require adding some obscure application. This is yet another reason why I enjoy using Linux and open source software. It allows me the freedom to work how I want to work, capture and archive things the way I see fit, and just be happy in my digital world. I have much to talk about in my OpenSUSE corner, 
for starters, OpenSUSE Elite 15.3 reaches its beta build phase. Now this version of OpenSUSE solidifies a release that focuses more on building of the distribution rather than refreshing the distribution's packages. But there are some significant changes to this distribution. Many of the packages remain the same from Leap 15.2 with a bit of hardware enablement and security backports. An updated version of glibc and the XFCE desktop users will have the new 4.16 version. This distribution also adds S390X architecture, which, is in, which you may know as Linux on IBM Z. The biggest change for this release is how Leap is built in relationship with SUSE Linux Enterprise. Leap transitioned to a new way of building OpenSUSE Leap. In fall of 2020, uh, there was a prototype project called Jump as a proof of concept. Now, it no longer exists, but the proof of concept did work out, which is bringing the code streams of both OpenSUSE Leap and SLE closer together. Building Leap on top of binary packages from SLE was part of the rationale for the Jump prototype. allows for easy development on a community release to be put into production on the enterprise release should the need arise. So it's very exciting. Check it out. Looking for beta testing right now. Links to this article are in my noodling notes. The call for papers for the OpenSUSE Virtual Conference is now open. The call for papers will be open until May 4th. This leaves a little more than what, 50 days to submit a proposal. The dates of the conference are scheduled for June 18th through the 20th. Registration for the conference has also begun. Presentations can be submitted for the following lengths. Have lightning talks for 15 minutes, normal talks for 30 minutes, long talks for 45 minutes, and a workshop for one hour. The following tracks are listed for the conference. Cloud and containers, community, embedded systems and edge computing, new technologies, open source, and open SUSE. The conference already has two sponsors with Fedora and SUSE. If you're interested in sponsoring, there are opportunities. For more information on that, you can check out my noodling notes. For my tumbleweed roundup, snapshot 2021-0219 is a stable score of 97. 2020-0220 has a stable score of 97. 2021-0222 has a moderate score of 71. There are some NVIDIA GPU issues that won't allow you to boot. Several multi-applets can't run due to bad project dependencies. 2021-0223 has a moderate score of 84. 0227 has a stable 91. 2021-0203 has a pending stable of 93. 0305 is a pending moderate of 86. There's some application issues with appearance and some are broken. None of the affected applications I seem to be using at this time. Snapshot 2021-0306 is a pending moderate of 84. There are some issues with SE Linux, some issues with SystemD, Network Manager, and NSCD where NFS mounts are failing, and hundreds of weird SystemD, SysV convert warnings during the upgrade. Uh, the, I'm not seeing any of these issues either, so I have no bugs to report And 2021-0307 has a pending stable score of 91. There's quite the extensive list of, of issues here, so I think that score may drop just a bit. Links to all those snapshots, as well as to the rating system, are available on my noodling notes. For my computer history retrospective, this is my segment where I like to look back in time and see how the world of technology has advanced. Now things have stayed the same. I find we often forget how far we've come and how good we have it, while not always remembering how we got here. Having some historical perspective on computers and technology can help to drive some appreciation for what we have today. On an episode of Computer Chronicles on Programming in 1984, they had some experts on, on the major levels of programming. The thing I really enjoyed about the episode is, especially if you had headphones on, you could hear the fans on the IBM PC XT computer in the background. Something we don't really deal with today. I mean, most computers are pretty silent, especially laptops. At least, they don't have that same kind of whining sound that those old computers did. Now, three different levels I talked about, and I'm pretty sure they still stand true today are machine language or assembly language, communicating right at the hardware level, systems languages like C, C++, 
which are used for applications or spreadsheets, things like that. Then application language or end user languages like Fortran for science, COBOL for business, and Logo for education. I really found the discussion of computer languages really quite interesting. They dig a little bit more into COBOL. They have a guest on for COBOL. They have a guest on that talks about Pascal and the power of expression with a small amount of text. Another language I never heard of called Forth, which is an interactive software development, almost like an IDE, that incorporates machine, system, and application-level language. Interestingly, BASIC came from Fortran with a scientific orientation or step-by-step problem-solving. They were talking about 700, 800 languages at that time, much of which are offshoots from a core few. They didn't really go into what the core few were, but I can kind of guess probably COBOL, Pascal, and BASIC essentially as the core languages. I decided to do a little digging after that, and I started creating my own little list of languages, and I'm kind of breaking them down in ways that make sense for me. But I want to view the information in nice bite-sized chunks that are organized in a way that makes sense for discovery. The wiki page on the language list was, uh, wasn't really nicely laid out, just basically a, a giant massive list of, of things, and and didn't really tell me what I want to know. So I'm going to break them down on my site in a way that suits my requirements. I'm still working on, on the specifics, but... Largely, I want to break them down into what that language is good for and its purpose. I probably won't get to every language because, well, some of them just aren't relevant. But some old languages, you know, like Commodore Basic or like Commodore Assembler or 15 or 6502 Assembler is still relevant today because people are still building applications or games anyway for these old systems. So I, I do want to kind of keep track of that, build some references from that. So this is a really great episode to check out. It talks about programming. If you're into programming at all, this would be something to check out. Links to the Computer Chronicles episode and the beginnings of my list of languages are in my noodling notes. Spring is here, and spring means new beginnings. Take this as an opportunity to grow something positive for your life and those around you. The idea that rising tides raise all ships is demonstrably true. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this bit of nerdy nonsense. If you have any corrections, addendums, or comments, feel free to send them to me at cubiclenate.com. For more of my nonsense, visit cubiclenate.com and use any of the methods you would like on that contact page. I'll get to it as quickly as I can. Until next time, peace. Next time, bring your good microphone. Not let your destiny run.